That's in the Bible, episode 103, Why the Bible? Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedoms we all hold dear, now is at stake. Humbling your hearts to God, saved from the chastening rod. Seek the way pilgrims trod, Christians away. Hello, thank you for tuning in to our podcast here at That's in the Bible. My name is Eric. I wanted to take a few minutes to welcome all of our listeners to our podcast, new and old. Welcome. First of all, congratulations on finding us. You know, with the boom in podcasts, shows such as ours, well, we're not easy to find. And that's not because we're trying to make it difficult to find us. We are now on all the major podcast directories, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Audible, Stitcher, and really a whole bunch more. We've also completely revamped our website at thatsinthebible.com to make it easier to listen to the topics you want to hear. Now that we have over 100 episodes, you can still scroll through them all, But we have also grouped our episodes into categories to make it a quicker task to find the episode subject you're most interested in. We've also made it a breeze for you to leave your input. Down at the bottom right-hand corner of every web page is a small microphone symbol. Simply press on that and you can leave an audio comment or question for us. We may even include your audio question on our next podcast so you could be part of our show. Now, you may have a comment or question about something you have heard on one of our podcasts, or you may have an idea for a topic you want covered, and you can tell us that too. For those of you who are mic shy, we also have our webpage, and it's an easy contact form you can fill out and leave for us if you'd rather not leave voicemail messages. We've also included reviews, where you can leave us a review and read new ones as they come in. So there are multiple ways now to communicate with us, and you can always still leave us an email at that's in the Bible at gmail.com. So the question comes up, who are we? I know early on when we first started the podcast, back in, what, 2009, we had the question, are you guys pastors? That's a fair question. Although I don't believe you have to be a pastor to be able to read and understand the Bible or to present a study from the Bible, But to answer your question, yes, each of our regular presenters here on That's in the Bible are trained, ordained ministers. They have all received degrees from Bible institutes. You can find a short bio on our website about Pastor and Missionary Matthew Sutton, Pastor Stephen Baer, and Pastor Scott Strobel. Now, I, as the host and sometimes presenter of a study, I'm the only ringer of the group who is not a pastor. But I have completed coursework through Charity Baptist Bible Institute out of Ohio. Again, let me say that the Bible is written for all and to be understood by all, and you don't need a degree to understand the Bible or to study the Bible. But you know what? You do need something. And what is that? Well, let me explain. I have a friend, a good friend, that I've known since we were in sixth grade. He's the smartest guy I know. He went on to get a Ph.D. in electromagnetic engineering from Syracuse University. He's worked with several prestigious companies and universities, 
and he's been selected to work with the U.S. Navy as a research scientist. He's published many articles in his field. He's a smart guy, and we still keep in touch by phone even to this day. Uh, But from time to time, inevitably, the topic of me being a Bible believer comes up. Now, I've witnessed him over the years and sent him a King James Bible several years ago, but he has yet to read it. On one of my most recent phone calls with him, I asked him, why hasn't he read it yet? After all, it's been said that really no one's education is complete without having read the number one best-selling book of all time, the Holy Bible. He said to me, Eric, I've tried to read it, but I couldn't understand it, so I stopped reading it. Now, I was a bit taken aback. I asked him, wait a minute, you found it difficult to understand, so your answer was to stop reading it? Has that ever worked to help you to understand anything, Bob, that you have found difficult before when approaching something to just stop reading it, to stop trying to do something? And you know the answer to that is, of course not. Anything we try to do that has a, even a small learning curve may take some effort to begin with. And so therein lies the crux of the matter, motivation. I suspect that he was not motivated to press on. And I also suspect that he didn't like what he was reading. It doesn't take long to see that the Bible takes a very honest view of man. You know, the Bible doesn't sugarcoat man and who he is. But even more than that, since he is not saved and does not have the Holy Spirit residing inside him, he will never truly be able to comprehend all that the Bible has to say or really truly understand it. So let's look at some scripture. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. You see, the Bible is a spiritual book, and it has to be spiritually discerned. You see, the moment you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior— You get spiritually circumcised. Your soul is cut away from your body, and the Holy Spirit comes to take up residence inside you. Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 through 13 say, In whom also ye are circumcised, with the circumcision made without hands, and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead, and you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you of all trespasses. So, you see, it's a spiritual circumcision, this operation of God, and when that happens, you receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19-20 through 20 says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And that's how fortunate we are as a saved person, that we have the Holy Spirit within us to guide us. So when we read the Bible, the Holy Spirit is helping us to understand it. John 16.13 says, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, 
That shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. So the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. As John 16, 13 just said, Howbeit when the Spirit, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. And unlike the unsaved man, the Bible is not foolishness to us, because the Holy Spirit has given the saved man the ability to have spiritual discernment. So this podcast, what's the purpose of That's in the Bible, this podcast? Well, the purpose of this podcast is to take every subject, every topic, every principle, and every question, and look at these topics and questions through the lens of the Bible. That is, what does the Bible have to say about it? To that end, we will refer to Scripture as the final authority, not opinion or whatever the current cultural feeling of the day is. But why the Bible? What makes the Bible the final authority? Well, to begin with, the Bible is perfect, and it is God's Word, and it's able to correct anyone in anything. Psalm 119, verse 89 says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Psalm chapter 12, verses 6 through 7 says, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, Purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. So you see, the Bible is the pure word of the Lord, and it's written and preserved for us today. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2.13 says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it, now listen to this, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. But what about correction? Can the written word of God really be used to correct the thinking on the current events and situations of the day? 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for an instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So yes, Scripture itself says that it is meant to be used for correction. Let's read that again, 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Now, this concept of having the Bible correct the current events of the day, uh, that may be new to you. Some of you may be thinking, how can a book be a final authority? Well, think about it. We all have a final authority. Now, that could be you. You could be your own final authority. Or it could be a news station such as CNN or MSNBC or Fox News that shapes your opinions and outlooks. It could be celebrities or sports figures that you listen to and look up to. It could even be another book, like, for example, Charles Darwin's book entitled The Origin of Species by Means of Natural Selection or the Preservation of Favored Races in the Struggle for Life. Now, 
fascinating how the title of that book is always shortened to just the origin of the species and the natural selection of favored races is dropped. Wonder why? Well, I'm getting off track there. So what I'm trying to say is that you could be your own final authority or something else, but everyone has a final authority. I was mine before I got saved. But now as a Christian, I want to follow Christ and the Bible. I want to be corrected by that book. I want to do and think what pleases God. Now, granted, I often fail and fall short, but that is my desire, to do and and think what pleases God. You know, there's a saying, as you read the Bible, it reads you. And I think there is truth in that saying. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Did you catch that last part? The Bible is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. As we see from this verse, the Bible is capable of discerning man's thoughts and the intents of his heart and motives. Now, using the scripture for correction, is it's a biblically sound practice. Our Lord Jesus Christ himself, when confronted and tempted by the devil, what did he do? He quoted scripture to combat the devil's false teaching and motives. And you'll find that uh, several places in the Bible. We're going to look in the book of Matthew, and we're going to go to chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 11. Let's start here with verse 1. It says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So you can see that immediately our Lord quotes Scripture to answer the devil. And he quoted Deuteronomy 8, chapter 8, verse 3, which says, And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not. Neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth. Out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Now notice our Lord quoted scripture. He didn't refer back to synagogue tradition. He didn't quote some early synagogue teachers or rabbis or some popular person's thoughts or opinions, but rather he corrected the devil with the authority of the scriptures. Let's let's move on. Let's look at Matthew chapter 4, verses 5 through 7 now. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple. And saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again quoting Deuteronomy 6.16, You shall not tempt the Lord your God, as you tempted him in Massa. On a side note, it's interesting, isn't it, that the devil himself, who's a very religious being, is also quoting from the scripture. 
And you can find his handiwork, you know, in a myriad of religions when you compare them to the Bible. Continuing on in the book of Matthew, chapter 4, now verses 8 through 10. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Again, our Lord quoting Deuteronomy 6, uh, verse 13. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, and serve him, and shalt swear by his name. And then, in conclusion, Matthew 4.11 closes with, And the devil, devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. So three times the Lord corrects the devil with Scripture. He doesn't use man's word, nor religious leaders, nor synagogue dogma or tradition, which is, you know, why is it that even some religions today, I'm looking at you, Roman Catholicism, make church tradition equal to or even over the Bible in authority. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus, when dealing with the scribes and Pharisees, encountered uh, this veneration of tradition which ran counter to the commandments of God revealed in Scripture. It's telling to note that it was the religious leaders of the day that opposed Jesus and for which he had his harshest words. Take a look at the book of Mark, chapter 7, verses 7, 9, and 13. Albeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. That was verse 7. Now verse 9 it says, And he said unto them, Full well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your own tradition. And then verse 13 says, Making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which ye have delivered, and many such like things do ye. So let's follow Jesus' admonition here. And when religious tradition runs counter to Scripture, let's throw out tradition in favor of the authority of the Scripture. The Bible, ladies and gentlemen, is our guide. Psalm 119, verse 105, probably a very familiar scripture to many people, says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know, the Bible is to be our guide in this life and light our way. And in this day and age, how could you trust or depend on anything else? How do you know what to believe? How do you even know what truth is? Well, John 17, 17 answers that question. It says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So the Bible says thy word is truth. The Bible itself that we can count on. You know, today it's so difficult to tell what the truth is in any given situation. How are you really supposed to know what truth is? Well, we just read where truth is to be found, and it's in the pages of the Bible. Thy word is truth. I can tell you before I was saved, I reached a point where I was searching for answers. I decided I would read the Bible for myself, and I started in on the New Testament with the Gospel of Matthew. And by the time I got to the Gospel of John, I had enough faith to call upon the Lord for salvation. Now, you may be saying, as a Christian, I don't know if I have the kind of faith that's enough faith to have the Bible as my complete and utter final authority. Do you want to increase your faith? Here's how you do it. Lost or saved, read your Bible. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. 
you know, religions come and go, fashion comes and goes, celebrities come and go, science comes and goes. Your opinions are fluid. They come and go. Everything comes and goes. But the Bible stays the same. It endures forever. 1 Peter chapter 1, 24-25 says, For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Matthew 24, 35 says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Now, in case you missed it, let's read it again. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. The Bible is not going anywhere. It's, it's, it, heaven and earth are going to pass away, but God's word won't. And you can say, well, that's just your interpretation. But really, how many ways can you interpret that? Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Really, there's no interpretation necessary. So in this podcast, we will give the Bible its proper place. We will approach it as truth, John 17, 17, as the word of God, 1 Thessalonians 2, 13, which is pure and preserved for us today, Psalm 12, verses 6 and 7, and is able to correct false doctrine, practices, world events, and man's thinking, and practices that run contrary to the Bible, Hebrews 4, 12. Now, did you know the adherence and elevation of the Bible is nothing new. Unlike the slick and worldly entertainers, politicians, and sports figures of today, America's founding fathers were outspoken proponents of the Bible. Our first president, George Washington, said, and I quote, It is impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. Unquote. John Adams, our second president, said, Quote, the Bible is the best book in the world, unquote. And also this, quote, suppose a nation in some distant region should take the Bible for their own law book, and every member should regulate his conduct by the precepts there exhibited. What a utopia, what a paradise this region would be, unquote. Our third president, Thomas Jefferson, said, quote, the Bible is the source of liberty, Unquote. And he went on to say, quote, The Bible makes the best people in the world. John Quincy Adams, our sixth president, said, quote, So great is my veneration of the Bible that the earlier my children begin to read it, the more confident will be my hope that they will prove useful citizens to their country and respectable members of society. I have for many years made it a practice to read through the Bible once a year. Unquote. Chief Justice John Jay, who was the first Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, said, quote, The Bible is the best of all books, for it is the Word of God and teaches us the way to be happy in this world and the next. Continue, therefore, to read it and to regulate your life by its precepts, unquote. Now, these have been quotes from America's founding fathers. Unfortunately, our country has slipped like much of the world into godless paganism. But the goal of this specific special episode has been to give you some background into why we place such an emphasis on the Bible 
and why we believe that every action, every thought, every motive, every event can and should be seen through the lens of God's Word to determine the best course of action. So as a new listener, where should you start? If you would like a sampling of how we follow the Bible to answer topical questions of the day, take a listen to episodes 99, 100, and 102, where we give quick answers from the Bible to common questions such as what the Bible says about tattoos and piercings, about music, you know, does it matter what kind of music you listen to, vegetarian versus meat eater, climate change, cross-dressing, and much more. Now, while we all have our own opinions on these topics, have you ever wondered what the Bible says about these issues? With our podcast, you can follow along with us in your Bible to see if what we say is actually what the Bible says. And one last thing, if you're using anything other than a King James Bible, which is also called the Authorized Version, and using one of the new modern translations, you will soon discover words missing from your Bible and may even have entire verses missing from your Bible. I would strongly recommend that you avail yourself of a complete Bible, the King James Bible, so verses and words won't be missing from your Bible. Well, thanks for joining us. I encourage you to put us to the test. I hope you are interested and curious enough to see what the Bible has to say about these issues and many more. And remember, you can always drop us a line at thatsinthebible@gmail.com, or leave us a voice message on our website that we talked about earlier. Lord willing, we'll be back soon with the guys, with the pastors, and we'll record another episode. Look forward to having you join us. Amen. Trumpets will surely sound. All of the dead shall rise. Righteous be in the skies. No one dies, heavenward bound. Troubles will soon be o'er, happy forevermore. When we meet on that shore, free from all care. Rising up in the skies, telling this world goodbye. Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon. Many will many will meet their doom. Trumpets will trumpets will surely sound. All of the dead shall rise. Righteous be in the skies. Going where going where no one dies. Heavenward bound. Jesus is coming soon. Shall rise, righteous be in the skies, going where, going where no one dies, heavenward bound.